Father, thank you for our time together tonight. We ask in the name of your Son that you would grant us by your Spirit to grasp how high and how deep and how wide is the love of Christ and to know that love for us. So we pray, Father, that you would help us, help me, I pray, to speak what is true. Help us to have a spirit of discernment here among us and to grow in our knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good evening. Welcome to part two of uh, the Holy Spirit. And today we'll be looking at um, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and then how we can recognise the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, so the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, exactly. Come. And, uh, and then how we can recognise that work. And uh, what we'll try and do is I'll lay out a little bit of uh, get us started, but I hope that we can have a bit of discussion as well. Um, so same as last week, uh, turn to your neighbour and ask them this question or discuss this among yourselves. Can you have uh, an excellent relationship with Jesus and not with the Spirit? Go. <laughs> if not, why not? How do the two relate? <coughs> Okay, keep that question in mind and consider it as we, as the evening goes on. And have the other question in mind, the idea of having more, therefore, perhaps, of the Spirit. More of the Spirit in our lives, more of the Spirit in our church services, perhaps. And how do these two relate, based on the question we've just um, asked? And something to keep in mind is what we discussed last week. And this is where, it's, uh, where last week's foundation was really important, where we think about the, um, what I was calling inseparable operations. And so the way that the um, Father doesn't work apart from the Son or the Spirit, neither does the Son work apart from the Father and the, Son and the Spirit. As an example, Jesus says, uh, I don't speak my own words, but I speak uh, the words of my Father. Um, Jesus' whole life was completely empowered by the Spirit. Uh, and so the Father, the Son and the Spirit are always working together in everything that they do. Um, and that's also partly rooted in the fact that they are each the one, they are each God and are one God. And so we don't have three gods working, we have one God working. So keep that in mind. Um, here's something exciting for you which people on the recording won't get to enjoy, and that's one of the downsides. Here you go. <laughs> now, that is me in my fully spiritual stage, right? Now, look at the background here. I guess one question would, would be to ask, was I more... Um, uh, was I more spirit-powered or spirit-led or was I more of a Holy Spirit guy here or here? Note, look at all this, um, look at this dancing man with a fiery nose to represent the Holy Spirit, uh, standing on the Word of God, um, you know, etc., etc. This was a wall at the house that we lived at. 
Was I more of a Holy Spirit guy then or now? Interesting, isn't it? You see? Okay, let's get into um, some of the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, so the uh, way we're going to do it now is uh, the first thing that I think the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit um, unites us to Jesus. Um, and so I think that this is his, his first uh, work. We might call it a, uh, I'm calling it union and its blessings. Um, and so where do we get that in the Bible? Well, the Bible talks a lot about the idea of Christ being in us and us being in Christ. So for examples of Christ being in us, 2 Corinthians 13 uh, verse 5 is fairly um, clear. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realise this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? <clears throat> Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And then you can compare that with Romans 8 verse 10 and Colossians 1.27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is in us. Jesus is in us. And we are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And then Romans 8, one example, um, there is no condemnation, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so uh, the Bible gives us this idea that Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Some of the imagery uh, that the Bible has to depict this relationship is marriage, uh, which is about union, uh, the vine and the branches, both uh, intimately connected, uh, the body, Jesus is the head, we are the body, we are members of his body, uh, or the temple where Christ is the cornerstone and we are living stones being built into a temple and that um, intimate connection with him. Uh, so that's union with Christ. Um, that's kind of the, the imagery that we're given and the language that's used. And as we try to put that together, we want to say, what, what, is, what is this? Um, and uh, the way to grab all that is to say that we've been united to Christ uh, so that what was ours becomes his and what was his becomes ours. Uh, and this, I think, is what the baptism uh, with the Spirit is about. And so when Jesus said, uh, John says, you know, uh, I baptise with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, uh, as in Mark 1, uh, verse 8 here. And also in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, uh, Paul says to the, the Corinthians, for in, what, in one spirit, we were all baptised into one body. <coughs> so we're in Christ. It takes a little bit to get our heads around this. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. And another way to think about this is that we've all been baptised into one body, in one spirit. Right? So in the spirit, we've been baptised into the body of Christ. Uh, and that's what I think uh, Jesus, that's what, that's what I think um, Jesus' work in baptising us with the Holy Spirit is, is to uh, immerse us in the Holy Spirit so that um, that baptism is a, it's like a transfer into Christ. Uh, the entry into the Spirit is an entry into Christ. Uh, and likewise, the entry of the Spirit into us is uh, Christ into us. Um, John 14, verse 18, has this similar kind of language. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, this is Jesus talking. I will not leave you as long as I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And so, uh, and he's just finished talking about sending the Spirit. And so I think what he's saying at this point here is, that when the Holy Spirit comes, that's when the Father and the Son will come and make their home in you. Um, and so the Spirit's work here is to bring us into fellowship with the Father and the Son. 
Um, and that's what uh, I think 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, that's how I think we are to understand that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's a fellowship created by uh, the Holy Spirit, not, um, as it were, that we have grace and love and then we somehow relate to uh, the Holy Spirit. We do, but I think that here it's talking about the fellowship that's created with the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit. And then Philippians 2 verse 1 has got a similar thing, if you have any fellowship of the Spirit. Right, so that I think is the Spirit's main work, to unite us to Christ, to bring us into fellowship with the Father and the Son. That's what the Spirit does at conversion, where we are saved. And that is the greatest blessing that the Spirit does in our lives. And then, from being united with Christ, all of these other blessings flow out of that. And all of these can be attributed, are attributed to the Spirit in Scripture. So being born again, in Titus 3.5, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, which is by the washing of new birthing uh, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Um, you can compare John chapter 3 where the Spirit, um, you must be born again and the Spirit is the one who gives life. Uh, the Spirit makes us alive, Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit sanctifies us, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified. And this is a really good text, actually, to go to, to understand um, the work of the Trinity and the work of each member of the Trinity and the Spirit in our lives. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the mediator and by the Spirit of our God. Right? You see that? Look at the things that happen. Washed, sanctified, justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All of these blessings that flow out, so justification here, I've just listed that again as another one, it's 1 Corinthians 11, um, and washes us again, that, so that washes us, see Titus 3, 5 and 1 Corinthians 6, 11, already been read. Um, the Spirit does this heart work in Romans 2, 29, um, the work of the heart by the Spirit, circumcised our hearts by the Spirit, um, in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, it's um, where a letter delivered, uh, where a letter from Christ, um, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Uh, the Spirit writing on our hearts, the new uh, uh, covenant. And so, uh, and, and finally, possesses us and seals us. This is the way that God um, takes ownership of us in salvation. All of these blessings by the Spirit. So if we have any of these things by virtue of trusting in Christ and our union with Christ, this is all the work of the Spirit. To unite us to Him and then in Him have all these blessings flow into our lives. Um, and then to, uh, I've got just a note here, he communicates who God is for us in Christ. And we'll just press pause on that one, but keep, keep mind on that one, because I am leaning towards the idea that this is the greatest of his works. Uh, in, in a, it's difficult to try and separate, tease them all apart, but um, in union and in all of these blessings, there, the Spirit is communicating who God is to us uh, and who He is for us in Christ. All right, then we'll get to a bit more of that in a second. Uh, okay, let's just have questions there. Before we go to the next bit, any questions? Just to remind you, is the overarching uh, section here. First, work of the Spirit is to unite us to Christ in his big grand scheme. Rebecca. Um, yes, yeah, sorry, I'm mixed up. Uh, what does it mean uh, 
Yes. So the question is, uh, what does it mean in 1 Corinthians 6.11, for the recording, uh, um, to be washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't have a simple answer. But I think that because of, uh, in other places where we, um, uh, is it, it's Ephesians 2.18, um, for through speaking of Jesus, Paul says, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And so that uh, that's another place where we see the three uh, roles of the members of the Trinity um, kind of summarized for us, but we gather it up from wider reading of Scripture. The mediatorial work of Jesus, the throughness. Uh, of Jesus, the by the Spirit and from the Father and to the Father. Um, and so I think that because of that um, wider framework, uh, my hunch is to read that as um, in the name of the Lord Jesus by being um, something like um, in the power of his work according to who he is and what he's done. Um, that's probably where I go. Anything else before we move on? Moving on. So, unites us to Christ, and then the second, uh, what I think is a big work of, of the Spirit, is to grow us up into Christ. And so, kind of an overarching idea here is transformation into Christ's image. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, I think that's the image of Jesus, as the Lord at this point, from one degree of glory to another. Uh, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I think here we have an identification of the Lord Jesus himself with the Spirit, uh, as the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of Jesus, who is doing this work, conforming people to his own image. Um, and that is the, as it were, the next work of the Spirit. Uh, to unite us to the Son and then make us like the Son. That's how we could, we could frame it. That involves um, killing of sin. So the kind of two, two aspects here, you can see it. Point B is killing sin and, and, and uh, point C is living life. I couldn't think of, uh, I didn't want to, yeah, couldn't think of how to, Make, making life things happen in us. They're, but they're the two opposites. It's put to death, the earthly, put on Christ. And the Spirit is the one who uh, does both of those things in our lives, according to Scripture. Um, Romans 8.13, we see that it's by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So on the one hand, it's saying no to sin and saying yes to Christ and walking in his ways. So he helps us to do both of those things, to stop doing the wrong things and to start doing the right things. Um, evidence, for, you know, where we see that of starting to do the right things in Scripture is uh, the whole, uh, all of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Um, it's the Spirit producing that kind of life in us, love, joy, peace, etc., um, here we have, uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, 1 verse 6, the idea here is that um, uh, the, the gospel came to you um, and it came in the midst of uh, suffering, but it came with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is producing in the Thessalonians, in the midst of a context of suffering, uh, joy, because presumably because... Uh, the whole, of, of, the, of the, the Spirit is applying all the truth of the gospel uh, to the hearts of the believers. And going back to that idea that we, I mentioned at the end of the last um, category, communicating God and all that he is for us and all that he's done for us in Christ to us um, and producing joy. Um, so that's the, at the individual level, that's what the, Holy, the work, that's what the Holy Spirit's in the business of doing in our lives. Um, then at the corporate level, he's, he's interested in growing us up together into Christ. We see that in Ephesians 4.3. 
uh, where it's the, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I think that, again, there's that funny little word uh, of, the unity of the spirit. Um, and I think there, again, that's the unity generated by the spirit. It's the unity that's created by the spirit of those who are in the spirit, having been baptized in one spirit into one body. Um, growing us up. He grows us up into a temple, Ephesians 2.22, where um, God is, is said to be building a dwelling place uh, for himself uh, by the Spirit. Build up into a dwelling place by the Spirit. And in Acts 20.28, 20, um, the Spirit is actually establishing elders. He says, uh, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so the Holy Spirit there is in the work of growing us up together, building us up together into the body of Christ. And we'll get to this in a bit, but some of the questions here, uh, we'll, we'll think more about this in, in a minute. But what this then means is, as you see, this is his work, right? So when we come to the question that we're going we're gonna, to um, speak about in a bit together, about recognising his work, we have to keep these things in mind, you see? And the point there is, because it's very easy to think of his work in two mystical, um, in categories that are just too mystical. Like, he, you know, we hear the tapping of the window and we think, oh, maybe there's like, an, you know, maybe the spirit is doing something special with the window tapping tonight. Actually, the spirit is doing something special if you came here and didn't trust in Christ and then started to trust in Christ. That would have been the most extraordinary work of the Spirit tonight, to communicate who God is for us and what he's done for us in Christ, and then to unite you to him, and then to have all the blessings of eternal life flow into your life, and for your eyes to be opened and to recognise uh, the love that God has for us in Christ. That would have been the most exceptional work of the Spirit. Um, and then, from there, to the degree and, 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 and where you see in your life uh, saying no to sin and saying uh, yes to Jesus and bearing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, we'll get to kind of wider frameworks. Um, th that is the work of the Spirit in your life. That, that, that growth up into Christ-likeness. And it's not a work that is especially flash a lot of the time, uh, but it is a work according to Scripture uh, that is especially remarkable. Because apart from Christ, uh, we are dead. Apart from the work of the Spirit, we're completely dead. Uh, it's the Spirit, Jesus says in, in, in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no benefit at all. All spiritual life is from the spirit, and it's the and it's and we should we should see it and appreciate it as the as the kind of work and the kind of power that raises the dead. That's where Paul goes to when he wants to talk about the work of the Spirit in your life. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power that causes you to go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive in Christ. Right? So, and that should be, mar we should marvel at that and give praise and thanks for what God has done for us in Christ through his Spirit. Okay? Unite you know to Christ, growing up in Christ. What, what has happened? I've got a repeat. Right, part of growing up into Christ then is not just us in terms of our own, um, who we are individually and corporately, but then empowering us for mission. Um, and so at uh, the beginning of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit now at work um, uh, generating boldness for witness. But you will receive power, uh, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Likewise, in Acts 4.31, they pray that the, um, we would be able to uh, speak the word with boldness. Uh, and in Luke 24.49, um, there are a, a number of places in the Synoptic Gospels where you see um, Jesus is telling the disciples that in these hours of persecution, that they will be able to speak 
about Jesus and he says, it's not you who's going to do the speaking, uh, but the spirit of my father who's, who's working in you. And so boldness for witness when you're at work is a work of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> when you um, put your neck out in front of your colleagues and sound like uh, the foolish guy who trusts in Jesus, um, the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to speak of him. Uh, when you have, when, when, when that's combined with the, with the humility that's involved to uh, suffer um, uh, that kind of embarrassment, it can be a bit like that, um, uh, all of this, you see, is the spirit at work and then perhaps the joy that comes out the back of it in the midst of um, feeling like you've been, uh, you are shamed or whatever for following Jesus. Um, then we just have a few more here in terms of empowering. Uh, again, your words for witness there, are, that's the other parts in the synoptics where the similar idea appears. Uh, miracles in Hebrews 2, which we're going to park for a minute just because I want to leave a couple of things that, um, a couple of debated uh, things for the side, uh, for the end, and you can talk to me afterwards if you want to discuss those particular debated things. Um, he leads the church in missions. This is Acts 13, 2, where they set apart Barnabas and Saul, and, and then they say, um, it says that it, while they're worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them to set apart Paul and Barnabas. Um, again, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, that's the same idea we've, we've just seen about courage in, in um in the midst of suffering and, and, and the witness that that produces um, and filled with the Spirit in Acts. But the big idea here is uh, empowering for mission. And, and uh, so that's, that's outside. So part of the uh, evidence for the Spirit at work in our lives is are we speaking to people about Jesus? Uh, and perhaps it's the case that we, we pray for God's help and then we step out in faith and in that moment, in that, we've been trying to work out where it happens, you know, is it, does he do it, does he embolden us and then we do it, do we, do we start and then he kind of comes in behind. Maybe it's right in the very moment of, you know, it all happens in one moment of actually taking the courage to step out and in that in-between space of you moving, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Uh, and then he, that, so that's empowering outside of us, then he brings empowerment within the church. And so that's where we have uh, uh, service comes in. And within the category of service, as you can see, I've got point A, you've got the bullet point of giving gifts. And so the reason I've done it like that is because I want us to just zoom out now and just see where gifts come so that we can situate them properly in our lives. Because what can often happen in discussions about the Holy Spirit is something that is um, 1.1.2.3 uh, actually becomes the main point. Right? So what we've had first is uniting us to Christ. Then we've had making us like Christ. Then we've got uh, these kind of two branches that come out, which is uniting, uh, the empowering permission is you're not helping others to be united to Christ and then growing us up into Christ through these means of gifts given to the church. So that's where we, just, so just a short word on gifts. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 has got really good stuff to say about gifts. First thing is that gifts are for others, right? So the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. It's for the building up of the body to make us grow up into Christ, which as we've seen, then we look, okay, what does it look like to grow up into Christ? That's the kind of goal. And when that's happening, that's the spirit at work through us. Um, they're for others. Um, that's uh, 1 Corinthians uh, twelve seven, where he says, um, to each one is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Um, they are also given by the Spirit according to His will. So it's the Spirit who distributes the gifts according to what He sees necessary. And then it's the Spirit Himself who empowers them, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. So if you, want, if you wanted to, you can look up. That's a good place to go and look that up. 
And the point there is, uh, sorry, and then, and then uh, they're for the glory of God, uh, 1 Peter 4, 4.11. So it says, whoever, whoever um, speaks, uh, speaks as the oracles of God, whoever serves in the strength that God supplies, uh, that in all things God might be glorified. Uh, and now there's just a little, before we get to um, ubiquitous, diverse, and, and, and uh, way to summarize them, those things that we learn about the gifts at that point should really help us with our humility in this area. On the one hand, from not becoming too proud, and on the other hand, from not despairing. Uh, if Think about how many steps removed we are in this here to be able to boast about our gifts. First of all, the gifts are not for us, they're actually for others, right? So one step removed out of the picture about how gifted we are and in terms of like whether we should um, uh, bolster ourselves up on that basis, right? First one is that not actually for us, they're for others, so step back. Second is they're given by the Spirit according to His will. So we didn't actually choose it, right? So there's another step back. Uh, then, even if we were to think, oh, they've been given by the Spirit, but I've been, you know, he gave me a pickaxe, and man, I've been swinging that pickaxe really well, right? Look at the hole I dug. No, they've been empowered by the Spirit. Okay, another step back. Okay, fine. We're, we're way back here. So, okay, well, at least once I've done all of that, I'll get, it's, you know, there must be something in it for me. No, they're all for the glory of God, right? You see how many steps we ought to be removed from ourselves in kind of um, bolstering up our egos by the gifts that the Spirit gives to us. Um, they're ubiquitous, gifts given for everybody. They are diverse. So there's all kinds of different things that the Spirit works in us to build up the body of Christ. Um, uh, and it's not just... Um, fancy gifts, if we want to put it that way. And you could summarise them as speaking and serving. And that's what Peter does. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. Whoever speaks, whoever serves. And actually, such a good summary, because lots of the things that are happening are speaking or serving. And we shouldn't downplay uh, various gifts, because as in one body... Um, we all have different gifts and there's different honour, uh, you know, the different honour is given to various parts of the body um, and, and not always the way that we uh, think it is the case. So uh, that's, that's gifts, right? So the Spirit gives gifts, but I've, I've laboured the point there just to say they're all in service of these other two or three aims. Um, and prophecy, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it also, the Spirit also then just helps us. I've just got a general kind of catch-all category here at the end uh, for the life of faith. Helps us in our prayer, helps us with praise, generates hope and help. And Paul can just say generate, uh, just broadly, uh, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, uh, this will work out for my salvation. Um, and I, I didn't have time to drill down into all of these, so I'm kind of whizzing through. Let's have our questions at this point. Questions, comments, go. Um, what bitterness is being directed towards? Sorry, say that again. So what bitterness? So there's like the Holy Spirit's been active, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. we're like, I guess I'm going to call this my vessel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like what bitterness is being invited into that relationship? Because mm-hmm. it's not the flesh, right? Because that's mm-hmm. been killed off. Mm-hmm. And so like, and what's left of us is all the Holy Spirit's doing, right? After we've been born again. Jesus into the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So is it just what part of us is being invited into that relationship? Or is it all just the Spirit working through us and we're just this vessel that's just kind of having stuff happen to us? Uh, so the question is which part of us is getting involved in the work of the Spirit mm-hmm. given that the flesh has been crucified with Christ? Uh, that's where I don't quite know how... The, the language is quite funny. So Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And just how he uses the word I. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ 
who lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So I guess the question is, is there an I or isn't there an I? Um, and the way that I read it is that what has happened is in, in new birth, it's not just that our old man was um, done away with and then the spirit kind of now animates um, lumps of flesh, lump, you know, material bodies, but that um, rebirth means that we, a new you is created. So it really is a you. And so we, we could say, then it comes down to questions of, you know, how do we understand ourselves as people? You know, do we have a, um, an interior and an exterior? So are we two parts? Are we a kind of spirit and a body? And that's how I would uh, read the Bible, that we do have an existence that carries on after we've died. I don't know exactly what that existence looks like, but um, I think that that's the case. Yeah. And so that person who really is the person... Um, that who really is who we are, is at work, uh, um, yeah, continually responding to the, the, the Spirit's work um, in us and, and animating our lives. We can talk more about that after. Because it is complex, yeah. I don't, and I don't fully understand how to properly dissect it all. Any other comments? No. So, hey. Um, so now, uh, I've got in this other category, this is where, remember in the first section how I said that he unites us to Christ, and then I had on the last point there, he communicates who God is to us and what he's done for us in Christ. And this is just now a whole bunch of texts where we see the way that the Spirit is, has this very large uh, work of revelation. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it really, of making known to us. Um, we see that in 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 12, where we are taught things by the Spirit. Uh, knowledge of the gospel comes uh, by the Spirit, Ephesians 3, 4 and 5. Uh, you know, these things weren't made known in previous generations, but have now been made known to his apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Um, and so the Spirit is, is here, the one who um, is our teacher, uh, in Romans 5.5, 5, uh, it is uh, the, uh, he says, um, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts uh, by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, you see? And I think that um, what that, how we're supposed to understand that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts is the love, uh, knowledge of the love that God has for us. It's God's love that has been poured into our hearts uh, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think that what he means is knowledge of that love. So an awareness of the love of God for you personally um, is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's a revealing work, you see. He's communicating to us who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. Um, Ephesians 3, if, we, if you just grab your Bible, this will be um, another place where you can see this quite good in 3, 14 to 19. Uh, so in the church Bibles, you know, whoever, 1174, was it? Okay, so this is chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. And just look here at the Spirit's work in communicating God to us. Uh, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is, uh, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, right, get this, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, we're tracking there. Strengthen you, individual Christian, with power through his spirit. That's there now, okay, we've located the Spirit's work. In your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Can you see that? 
Christ dwelling in your hearts. And not, I think, because he's speaking to believers, not Christ dwelling in your hearts is in conversion, Christ coming to you, but that he may dwell in your hearts through faith as in a, a, a comprehension of who Christ is. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, presumably the love of Christ or the love of God, may have power, which I think again comes back to the power through his spirit, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp, you see, and that grasping is not a physical grabbing with our hands, but a comprehending with our being, our hearts and our minds, uh, um, how, uh, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There, I think, is the Spirit's work, communicating who God is to us and what he's done for us in Christ. That is an awesome thing that the Spirit is doing among us. Um, and then I've just got a few verses there, but for time's sake, we're just going to plough on so that we can now discuss um, other things. This is about, he, he does it through Scripture, etc., etc. Um, he guides, so we're going to get to this now, but I think the better way to do it is actually just to, let's go for questions. I'll, I'll flick through the slides, and then you can go, ah, yes, that's a good question. You know, if, if it triggers your thoughts, um, we can just have question time, and that'll be the best way to spend out our last 15 minutes together. So, yeah, this is about, you know, in Acts, how you see plenty of times the Holy Spirit said this, and the Holy Spirit said that, and seemed good to us to do this by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit forbid us to go into Asia, etc. Um, <clears throat> so, now I've got things about recognising the Spirit. So, how do we, um, this is the main category, recognising the Spirit. And that's where, that's where it kind of ends, right? So, if there's two parts, which, <laughs> very sorry, it's more like... Um, three quarters and one quarter, is, uh, is the first was what he does, and now let's think about how we recognise it. And how, so how do we recognise it? Um, we've, got, well, we've got all of his means here, through scripture, nature, the body of Christ. These are generally just God's means. Um, the Spirit's means are God's means of how he does things. Uh, then there's a summary here. I'll let Dan do that. And then how is the Spirit experienced? And I've, I've got um, some thoughts here, but maybe questions are a better way to do it. So as I've tried to work out how is the Spirit, how do we recognise the Spirit, I've tried to split it up into his means, how he goes about doing it, and then what's that like on our side? What's the experience of that for us? Um, and there's questions here about like feelings, how's that involved? Promptings, you know, uh, felt led by the Holy Spirit, um, etc., etc. Um, um, this is just a quote from Chester about uh, um, the retrospective nature of spotting the Spirit's work in our life. So, uh, which I spoke about before, you see, when, you, when you're enjoying the Spirit, when you have faith in Christ, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When you willingly serve God, you're enjoying the Spirit's life. When you joyfully sacrifice for Christ, you're enjoying the Spirit's life, um, etc. This is the Spirit working in you. Uh, and then this is a, um, this one would be better for you, Dan. Uh, there's a kind of parameters for re um, uh, this is the, this is the fence. The spirit's work is in, the, in, the, in inside the paddock. That's how we recognise the spirit's work. Um, yeah, some comments on using Holy Spirit language. Right, let's do uh, questions. Come on, there must be something to have jogged your thoughts there. In, ter in terms of how we recognise this, well, if you want to do the other, that's fine. But if it's about how we recognise the Spirit, just because I think it would be good to get us to think about that. And, and things like, you know, more of the Spirit perhaps in our services, uh, you know, perhaps a desire for more of the Spirit in our lives. If that was to happen, how would we recognise it? How would we recognise it if the Spirit was wanting us to do something? to act in a certain way, to change our behaviour, to communicate something to us. How would we recognise that? I'll give you 30 seconds. Turn to your neighbour and talk and then we'll come back. Go 30 seconds with your neighbour and try and come up with some answer for yourselves and then 
come back, if we don't have questions, I'll just keep working through what I think uh, we should, uh, how, how, we, how that happens. Go. So how would we recognise the Spirit's work? If he was, you're going to walk out the door, you're on your way home, how are you going to know if the Spirit's doing anything in your life or communicating anything to you? All right, let's uh, gather. Let's gather it together. Um, okay, now do we have any questions or comments to get the ball rolling on this one? <coughs> So this is where I think the um, 
the, the fence will be helpful. Um, so I think that the identifiably as things that will be identifiable, I'm, 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 by the way, I feel like I'm stepping out here a little bit into where I'm, um, you know, explored territory, but not um, dogmatic too much, um, is uh, uh, that I think where we can recognise it as a spirit-driven uh, um, work, a uh, feeling, will be partly whether it's tethered to anything um, connected to the gospel. And so here we have um, uh, the interior, your interior life, right? Whether that happiness is connected to um, an aspect of who God is or a promise that he's made to us in the gospel or even a, a gratitude for what he's given us in this life, you see? If um, right down at the very bottom underneath it is um, the kind of root or foundation of it, if you can trace that back to be able to say, ah, oh, yes, it's rooted in who God is or what he's done for us in Christ, right? Um, then I think we, as we, as we draw up and, and, and see the, uh, where that impulse has come from, that happiness, we can then see, ah, oh, this is a spirit-wrought happiness, you see? Um, so what that might look like at, at, a more, at a more simple level, you know, is kind of you're happy because as you leave work, there's a type of happiness in you as you have... Um, been, been faced with a situation in which you've felt uh, embarrassed about what you've done and you have um, and you're driving home and uh, all the promises of God and who God is and who you are in Christ come to bear in your heart and in your mind um, and you feel a sense of happiness uh, you might describe it or a joy comes upon you that it's going to be okay, you know, what your colleagues now might think of you um, is uh, diminishes uh, and because of because it's tethered to the gospel, then this would be a work of the spirit, right? It has to be in line, of course, with um, who God really is and the promises that he's actually made, right? Not just a fabrication of who we think God is or what we think he's going to do for us. So it's not just the case that any language will do. So that's why scripture is at the bottom. Right? It's got to in accord with scripture. Then um, you might say, well, okay, it's in accord with... Yeah, that, that's, that's a, a start, I think, for the motives. And then within scripture, like you're unpacking various things down here, right? Does it tend towards the glory of God or does it tend towards your own glory, right? Is it a happiness that is completely de detached from God? Is it just a happiness over things uh, on the one hand, um, without uh, mindfulness of God. You know that phrase in 1 Peter, if what somebody suffers um, while mindfulness of God, right, then it is precious in God's sight. Then it's pleasing, you see. And there's that, there's that element in which we're, somewhere here we kind of say, where does mindfulness start and stop, you see. Um, because we could be enjoying the sunshine just purely because as we, tr as we dig into our hearts and trace back, we go, oh, it's just because actually because it's sunshine. And it's all, it doesn't, when you, when, you, when you go right back to it, it's not terminating for on the gift of God's grace for the sunshine, you see? Which could be happiness, sunshine. God, thank you, you know, for, for some sunshine and your, and your gifts that you've given to us in the world. You see that? It could be tethered to... It's not explicitly to scripture, but it's tethered to God. Yes? I guess also, it's, it's, probably, uh, it's probably not helpful to try and locate um, the Holy Spirit just in that sort of... Uh, <coughs> in like one moment of time like that. So perhaps to think of it in one of the sort of one 
fluid movements in this. I went outside, I saw the sun, and I felt happy. And that in and of itself is one thing, but then as to where that leads, and as to what happens later in the day, and just the general flow of your life, that is also significant in, in indicative of the spirit's work in your life, because for many people, you're having a whole bunch of pints. And I have to joke with friends who go and get drunk with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that's where that feeling of happiness led. Mm-hmm. And that's where their life led. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that particular moment of time. Um, and yet, the Holy Spirit in the work of art moves. The way they worked out is in a sort of quotidian way. They went outside, they saw the sun, they felt happy. They had a beer with friends. They went home, they prayed, they went to bed. Yeah, so I think that that's where, that's where the fruit would in the diagram would be. So, as, you know, if you step back and look, you can kind of look from a narrow perspective on the individual moments and then zoom back out and look more generally at the broader, you know, sweep of our lives. And, you know, it's probably good, this kind of question of examine yourselves, you know, but not have it been so intro, uh, introspective that we become dysfunctional. Do you know what I mean? So somewhere there's got to be a grey space between being able to examine your own life and kind of we're encouraged to, to, to examine the fruit in our lives, right? Uh, but, but I think that if we just spend all our time examining the fruit in our lives, um, we'd find ourselves tied up in knots. So, and there you've got a kind of... Um, the, the fruit is, is one dimension of the spiritual life that we have. Um, and we are encouraged to look upon it and see... Uh, whether we have a real living relationship with Jesus. Um, but we're also told that there's an objective reality that is apart from the fruit that's in our lives, um, which means that we have a life with Christ because we are resting in him and trusting on him. Um, so one, you might split that up as union and communion. We are united with Christ as an objective reality. That's, that's a thing that happens. And our communion bears fruit and there's varying fruit. And when we see that fruit we can spot the spirit at work in our lives um, and assure our hearts before him. So that's where I would put that. Uh, I'm agreeing with Andrew and saying that's where fruit would be. But then you can, you know, because you can, you can keep going around and say, oh, okay, well, it, it seems to be connected to scripture. It seems to have the right fruit. But then the confession was, Jesus is not the son of God. Right? And so that's why the, conf- the words actually matter. What comes out of the mouth, the life that's lived, when it comes to leading um, the church, um, both historically, but, but actually locally, you know, kind of someone flags up, I think I'm led by the Spirit to um, preach this Sunday. Well, actually, based on Scripture, Scripture and church, you see these two things work together, and Scripture tells us there's an authority, uh, authority invested in the church, and so actually we're not just all swinging around, coming up with our own ideas. God's put structure in place, um, so for people, you know, submit yourself to uh, to the leaders, and it might be that the, the church kind of says, well, actually, we don't recognise that gift, you see. So it might be that you felt that it was right. Um, you've got the right confession, and Scripture says that it's a legitimate gift, but and uh, you're going through it in your life, but it doesn't line up with in the local church uh, context, you see. I'm going to finish here formally because of time. So that uh, thus endeth uh, our session formally. I would love to talk more, if you would like it, uh, about experience, uh, because that's where I've done a bit more thinking. Um, and so if you'd like to do that, then uh, let me know, and we will just carry on in a minute. But I kind of just, let's f- finish it now, so that if people want to go, you can do that. I might just end by saying a prayer. God, we give you thanks that you've given us your spirit uh, to do these things. Thank you that you've united us to your son, and that you're making us more like him. I thank you that you've given us gifts in the church. We pray, Father, that um, you would be at work among us more and more, uh, that we would see your spirit at work in us more and more, Uh, as we grow in our knowledge of you, uh, that by the power of your spirit, Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, uh, that we could know 
those dimensions of his love that go on forever. We pray, God, that it would be uh, truly deep in our hearts as we grasp it uh, for us day to day. Uh, We long for more. We pray that that would be the case. So grant that to us as a church and and individually, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.